Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Generation Web. As a quick reminder, this episode is sponsored by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started creating your own podcast. We'll hear more about them later. I do want to thank everyone for the amazing support on Spotify from episode one. It seems like everyone really enjoyed Josh's topic of COVID 5G. And we're back again this week with my co host, Josh, and our guest, Casey. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, Casey? I'm hanging in there. So we've got three of us today. Uh, we're going to try to just have a, a casual discussion about what we're all doing under quarantine, uh, what we're doing to pass the time. And then uh, we're going to check in uh, to a new little segment we've created called Conspiracy Corner. So stick around for that. How's everyone handling this time in quarantine? We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. I'm playing a lot of games. What are you guys doing? Yeah, man, I'm playing lots of video games as well, mostly Warzone. Um, and then, you know, I have to keep my immune system strong right now. So drinking a lot of alcohol, a lot of nicotine as well. Um, you know, that's kind of the formula. Yeah. So I've never realized how good canned goods could be on this time. And uh, also, yeah, just playing a lot of games. Anyone playing uh, Animal Crossing? I know, Casey, you have a Switch. Have you found that game yet? I do not owe Tom Nook any money yet. Thank you. <laughs> the Nook Empire. That's what all I see on social media is seems to be Animal Crossing and Doom. Uh, and then most recently, the last couple days, uh, the Final Fantasy VII uh, remake that's come out. What is everyone playing on? I'm a hardcore PC player, but I do own all the consoles. Uh, Josh, what are you? what's your console of choice or platform of choice? Yeah, man. I have obviously I play PC games as well, uh, and then PlayStation. I mean, right now I'm mostly playing Warzone because I have a bunch of buddies that play Warzone as well, and uh, I'm playing that on console just because I've always played Call of Duty on console. Um, so yeah, PlayStation for the most part right now. About the same. Yeah, most of my buddies um, were staying connected through Warzone in the battlefield out there. Uh, PS4, a little bit of Switch from here and there. Play some Mario Kart with the girlfriend, but. Um, yeah, man. Online gaming is helping out this. Trying to keep us all uh, connected but apart. I think there's some sort of hashtag like that. So is Warzone holding up? Is that still uh, keeping momentum? I know a couple weeks ago I was uh, playing that pretty heavily um, and then kind of fizzled out like I do with every Call of Duty game. It just seems to, once you go through the rigmarole, there's not much new. But did they just start a new season or something? Yeah, they have a new battle pass. They started season three on um, the 7th of April. Um, I think the content was pretty horrible, um, like as far as the skins and the stuff that you would get throughout the tiers. But they did make some adjustments to the actual game. I think some of those were positive um, as far as like the price for loadouts. And, you know, before you would run teams of three. Now you have the option to run teams of four and you can also play solos as well. They also increased the amount of ground loot, which was necessary because you oh, can yeah. now have, you know, four guys on a squad. Um, and, and they varied it as well. Before it was like the same old guns that you were picking up. Now, you know, there's different stuff that you can grab, which it, 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 I think they were all pretty good, solid improvements. As far as I can tell, this is the uh, like the best Battlefield game as of recently. You know, um, all the the fun moments of uh, just throwing C4 on the ATV, uh, helicopter shenanigans. Um, so are I you a vehicle it. user? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, we get the cars and, or the Jeeps and drive around. Um, the meta is changing. People are starting to road kills are becoming harder. Let's okay. say, um, RPG, uh, suiciders are, are common, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, the changes, I mean, the loot boxes and, or the, uh, the battle pass, I mean, um, other than like two new guns that you get throughout the levels, but you can get those for free. I haven't felt a need for it, but um, some of the changes have been have been good for the game. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it's super underwhelming. But you bring up a good point, Casey. The um, yeah, the meta right now is the run RPGs. It's very RPG heavy. It's kind of cheesy, in my opinion. The Joker as well. Just lock on, uh, you know, javelin missile from the sky. Building campers. Um, I'm, I'm feeling nerf coming on, but until then, that's going to be my secondary. Mm-hmm. Same here. So we're we're talking about this is now going into season three, and for non gamers out there, the common trend in video games is a more open revenue model where there's not a big charge up front, if any. Like Warzone, great example. Uh, all of a sudden, a trailer dropped Monday that said available tomorrow. Uh, and it was very much uh, open to everybody, and uh, they I assume they're going to get revenue through starting to monetize that through these different loot boxes and skins. But um, a lot of the, uh, the games out there are now doing seasons where you get a, for lack of a better word, a level for the season, or you know you get experience and you get accomplishments and you get unlocks and rewards for doing various challenges, um, and that's how. Uh, they're trying to hook in to get your money is by allowing you to skip maybe some of those levels in that battle uh, battle pass to get that next unlock, that next skin that you want. Right. There'll be a, um, each season is going to be a, a limited time, so many weeks or maybe a couple months where these skins will be available. And the only way to get them is to pay the fee and play the game, which mm-hmm. sometimes I've paid for a battle pass and then literally a new game came out. And I switched games, wasted all that money because I never played it. But um, also, none these are only cosmetics. If you just don't pay for it, you can still play the game. Have just as much fun, you know. Uh, just skins and, uh, like I said, just the really cosmetics are unnecessary. Now, those the the cosmetic side of microtransactions is the fun side. That's what gets me. Um, I love to look cool in a game, uh, whether the weapon or your character looking good. Uh, Josh has a little bit more experience with the dark side of microtransactions. Uh, mainly EA is doing the ultimate team stuff where you can spend a ton of money. And if you can drop 20 grand on this game, you can get stuff that will make you win, like players that are better. That's very much a pay to win model versus a free to play. Correct. And. You know, the thing with Call of Duty, I agree with you, Michael. Um, I don't mind the the model that they use where they're going to give you premium content if you pay for a battle pass and you earn it. Um, and you, you make a good, a valid point. Like, it is cool that you can get these different skins. But, you know, I remember not so long ago where you could play these types of games and make your character look whatever they whatever you wanted them to look like without having to pay anything. Um, now it's like, oh, if you want this cool skin, you have to pay for it. So uh, I don't know. I don't really, I don't love it. But with that being said, um, as long as the content is solid, I don't mind paying for a battle pass. I just feel like the, at least in Warzone, the the season so far have been pretty underwhelming. What are your thoughts on that, Casey? Because I know you're playing Warzone. 
I am, I am. Um, like I said, the, other than uh, some certain gameplay elements, which the two new guns in this uh, battle pass you can get for free without having to buy the battle pass. So as long as they keep up with that, I, I I'm not gonna buy the battle pass. Um, I'm kind of the opposite of Mike on this one. Cosmetics and video games never really mattered to me. I played a lot of Rocket League, and um, I think the only reason I wanted cosmetics is because my teammates and or friends had them, just so we could match as a team. So literally, I think peer pressure got me to be, pay more loot boxes than uh, video games advertising or personal desire. Well, that so Rocket League is another example of a game on the other end of the spectrum. They've taken out a lot of their microtransactions. At least they've made headlines as far as how they've um, tried to stay ahead of the curve of loot boxes being or microtransactions and video games being deemed somewhat of gambling. Um, where they're, you know, one of the like Counter Strike Global Offensive, like uh, um, your EA game uh, Battlefront, sorry, uh, your Star Wars um, Battlefront and Battlefield, they all have to display the odds uh, of what you're getting when you purchase this random mystery crate. Is it going to be a skin or whatever? It has to tell you what's going to be in it, what are your chances uh, of getting each individual item. But Rocket League now, you can't directly spend money into that you have to like get tickets or some sort of you you get right Help yeah me. there's a um i mean we're, we're kind of switching up here because you got seasons and then loot boxes um but they have switched it up in the sense that um as opposed to a, a mystery crate that may or may not contain a list of items uh there is now a, a rocket league currency that you get and there's a store and the store will show you uh, for today, you can buy these items at this level of currency, um, or you know, there's still um, there is still a random boxes you can get that, for a certain amount of currency. But um, as opposed to just being able to like pay cash for uh, a key to open a box, now you just use your Rocket League currency to open a box. So it's a little different. Um, I think it's just kind of kind of keeping them on the legal front. Like, oh, you're not gambling because you know you're not paying cash for a chance you're paying cash for a currency then you're using in-game currency for a chance maybe it's a little a little different now but yeah i can see how they're skirting the lines yeah and i think um honestly i mean michael you played apex correct Mm -hmm. oh yeah casey did you play apex yeah i did um that's another one where thanks for the free game i haven't given y'all any money (laughs) (laughs) I, the reason why I bring up Apex is because Apex Season 1, Apex Season 2, right around the beginning when Apex was super popular, I think they had the best system in place because it was kind of a mix of both of the things that we're talking about. So they would have a like a store where you could purchase different skins and you were basically buying those outright. And you could do that with the in-game currency that you could either earn or, of course, purchase with real money. Um, but on the flip side, for a little bit less money, you could take that currency and purchase loot boxes and then, you know, it becomes a game of chance. But I like having both options because oftentimes, like you'll see in Warzone, they don't have loot boxes. They, you do have the ability to purchase skins directly from their store, but they're just so expensive. You know, it's like $20, $25 for some, for some of these skins, which is just crazy. Um, which it would be cool if you could potentially 
obtain some of those skins for a little bit less money. Um, so I think Apex Apex had it down probably the best I've seen it of any game that I've played so far. But as the seasons progressed and like season three, season four came out, the system started to get real screwy because then they created like a season specific currency, which it just, yeah, it started to get too complex and crazy from there. Right. That's, that's for the skins though, for, for each limited season. It's, it's all a way to, you know, you can only get this for a certain amount of time. You have to, get it now and play or pay for the pass. But um, like I said, I mean, uh, it's all cosmetic, so it hasn't affected me. And then I do like Apex because playing the game, you were able to earn a small amount of in-game currency, but you were always able to um, purchase a new character um, and, you know, keep up with the, the gameplay. Now you might not have the coolest looking character out there because of the skins, but if a lot more, you know, like in uh, Warzone's doing the same thing. Like you, Without buying the battle pass, you won't be missing out on a new weapon as long as you play enough. Now, um, of course, paying, you're going to get a lot quicker. But um, like I said, that kind of brings up the pay to win. But I think if companies are going to um, have this stuff, they need to they need to keep in mind not everybody can buy it. And, um, you know, being able to get some of it without having to pay is nice. I I agree but the, the, the company should maybe keep some of that in mind, but they're not. They're going in the other direction, and this kind of segues into the, the evil side of microtransactions and gaming. Uh, companies are patenting crazy technology. Um, 2015, Activision uh, patents a system to make microtransactions even more obnoxious, and to quote the article, uh, the patent titled system and method for driving microtransactions in multiplayer video games. Uh, it's basically a way to reward players who buy content and subtly punish those who don't via games built in matchmaking al algorithms. So, for instance, you're in a multiplayer match. It's going to match you up with people that have bought this cool gear. Their characters look badass. They have this badass weapon and their skill rating or whatever, however good they are in the game, however the game determines that, uh, they're much better than you. So you get your ass kicked and you go look at the end of the game and you see, oh, all these awesome characters have these weapons. And the game's then going to say, hey, these are the people that kicked your ass. Do you want their equipment and offer you that as a microtransaction? Do you want that battle rifle? Do you want that sword that you just got your ass kicked with? And then guess what they're going to do? You make that purchase, they're going to reward you. They're going to give you 10 easy games in multiplayer, pairing you with people that it's their first multiplayer match, and you feel like a god, and that purchase is justified. So when they do it again, you're going to buy it again. That's crazy, but I believe it because that sounds very similar to um, the Star Wars game. Mm -hmm. um, what was it called? The, the Star Wars game that came out a couple years ago, Battlefront? Yeah, Battlefront, yep. People, I mean, I don't know how long that idea has been around for, but when that game was released, I remember, um, you know, watching a lot of videos on YouTube of game reviewers that were complaining that it was just very difficult to hop into that game as a newbie because you hop into a match and you're playing with a, with a bunch of people that are a higher level, have better weapons, and they're just destroying you. So you have no choice but to spend the money so that you're on the same um, 
you know, same level as all of the other opponents that you're going up against. Yep. I think this is, EA is the number one offender, though, by far. Absolutely. And EA's patent was very similar uh, for upcoming Dark Souls themed games, the, the very, you know, difficult, challenging boss style uh, fighting or combat games. Um, you know, they you get beaten by a boss. And then in the loading screen where it says, you know, you're dead and you want to retry or continue, it says, hey, guess what? 86% or 86% of players have beaten this boss with quote unquote resource X. Do you want to buy resource X? That would really, really upset me. <laughs> uh, I've, I've played difficult games like that and um, being able to pay to win, like not only does it, it takes away from that type of gameplay a lot. Um, I do think it's it's kind of uh, insidious in that way, but um, I mean, the greatest challenge of those games is getting killed over and over and over again, and then as a player or um, you learn by learning the gameplay mechanics, overcoming that, and you'll you'll use up all your potions, you'll struggle and struggle and die a million times, and then one day you'll just come in and everything clicks, and you beat the boss, you save all your potions, and you're like. I'm the best. Like this is awesome, and uh, that feeling is really rewarding with that gameplay. And so, getting a prompt to pay to win for, through that, oh man, that's uh, that's not cool. <laughs> that's all. I like the idea, and this is what Josh and I were talking about kind of last week. Is in some games, in certain scenarios, I want to pay to win because I have a six to actually uh, turned seven months old two days ago. Uh, baby, I don't have time to learn the mechanics, to sit there and grind a boss for eight hours to figure out then and, and get that win. I have maybe have got the patience or time to do that once or twice, and then I want to still, I don't want to stop, you know, I spent $60 on the game, I don't want to be, you know, stopped at the second boss. I want to experience the game, even though I can't necessarily put in the time that it requires for the full experience. I would love to pay that two ninety nine to to get that resource X, beat that Boston so I can have fun with the rest of the game. That is a good point. That is a good point. We are different gamers. And uh yeah, for, for some people, like you said, being able to get the full experience on a limited amount of time, you know, if, if pay a cup, pay a few dollars, skip a few levels or get a great item. I, I mean that's that's true. That is a a valid point there. I still don't know if I would do it or not, but like I said, we have different circumstances. So under different circumstances, <laughs> it's good. But um, no, and that's why I've I've turned a lot towards streaming um, as a primary way to uh, still experience a lot of video games without actually having to play them and put in the time. Now there's something, but um are you subscribed to a lot you know it's a, as opposed to paying for battle passes maybe you're paying for subscriptions now too you know no i'm watching free streamers um you know just uh, if i like for doom i did buy it i did play a good bit of doom but it does require a lot of time uh to and uh to master some of the later mechanics and um I watched the end of Doom, like on a stream, uh, just because it was easier. I got to see all the cutscenes and cinematics and get the story, and maybe I'll get to dive in and, and do the actual gameplay one day. But Josh, have you ever, what do you prefer? I mean, are you want to dive, you know, tens of hours into a game like Borderlands 3 and grind and get the loot, or are you want to pay, or would you prefer to watch it? 
Uh, no, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of watching streams. Um, I'd rather I'd much rather play the game, and I don't mind grinding. Um, I'm not a big fan of of paying to win. Um, I think the the real problem is it's it's kind of a double edged sword because if you're a game developer, obviously the goal is to produce a solid product that's going to be popular. But not only that, something that you can monetize and make money off of. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are in the business to make money. So that's why you have microtransactions and that's why you have loot boxes. My issue with uh, the way that games are being developed now is I think they're focusing too much of their of their development on monetizing these things. Instead of saying, hey, we just want to produce the best game possible, they're cutting corners and really the goal is how can we make the most amount of money and you're seeing that bleed into games that are being released today where yes the graphics are better and you know you have all these cool things that you can do because of um you know multiplayer features that you didn't have back in the day with playstation and n64 but as far as like the nuts and bolts the features of a lot of these games they're not as good as I would argue that they are not as good as they once were. No. Give me GoldenEye. Give me Halo. No microtransactions. One-time purchase. Right. And it those started this whole uh, gaming craze. Um, and it, it can be done. Now, there there are still some gyms in, you know, out there. Um, some games have, have come out and been a full experience been fine there's no dlc no battle pass um i had a lot of fun with the return of the jedi fallen order <laughs> revenge of the you know all the all the titles mixed in there can you but um is that the recent but, star wars one that just came out last year yeah star wars jedi fallen order is the official title but um uh yeah it, it was a good story single player no multiplayer no battle pass uh witcher 3 came out full experience i put sync so many hours such a good game uh, the Tom DLC Lord. was actually reasonably priced, and I had a lot of fun with it. Legend of Zelda. But um, on the flip side, you got, like I said, pay to win. Um, un unfinished games were like, hey, let's just release that as DLC later. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Division, you know. Um, Arc Survival Evolved, Division, um, Division 2. Yeah. Right, Division Two literally had a three dollar no sale Sky. to get the game. Uh, here, get the game for three dollars, and then pay twenty five for the DLC to make the game fun. Like, you know, uh, it's it's a trend, and um, I don't, I just don't know where it ends. But so I don't think it's going to end on a positive note. I think we're going to see more and more of that because people are going to continue to buy these video games and uh especially right now you know during this quarantine as we all mentioned which is why we're talking about video games there's not much else to do and the video video games are i believe number one form of entertainment now more so than tv and movies so as long as these guys are making money i think the product's going to be it's it's going to be watered down it's 160 billion plus dollar industry almost as much as jet Jeff Bezos's net worth. It's crazy when shine. more people watch the the championship series of league than the world series. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's it's become crazy. There's a such a big industry in it, and 
also with the i mean I've, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little worried for the future because of the rise of uh, like subscription based gaming um playstation the now model works stadia the model absolutely works uh walmart did it first a little bit a lot of the time get everybody to play their game and expect 10 percent to uh be the bulk of those microtransaction revenue and it works you've got the 10 percent wealthy people that are dumping hundreds of thousands of dollars into these uh developers pockets you look at ea the biggest i would say culprit of of all the corporations using microtransactions was it like 60 percent of their revenue is microtransactions like 700 million dollars a quarter yep it's ridiculous and, and to piggyback on that I just, you know, in a utopia, <laughs> I would hope that everyone would stop buying these games, but it's never going to happen. So I just don't think um, that we're going to get quality games moving forward. Really, we're the, the biggest um, genre of video game that's being impacted are sports games. Like I'm a huge sports junkie growing up. I, I would buy every Madden, every NHL, every FIFA, and I've stopped. I haven't bought a Madden game probably since I was in college. So I don't know, some Madden 2013, Madden 2014. So I haven't bought it in six or seven years. And that's simply because the only thing they care about is ultimate team. Like the other popular modes, franchise mode, and um, there's like an online franchise mode where it's connected. So you control one team and your friends control other teams and you guys can make trades and stuff like that. So those things all existed. Yeah, all those things existed back in like 2009, 2010, but they don't exist in Madden 2020 any longer. Like, yes, they have a franchise mode, um, but it's just so watered down. Like I remember growing up, you could create your own team, create your own jerseys your own why don't helmets? they do like an interconnected with the actual nfl season of like a a fantasy mode on steroids which is what it sounds like is but an online connected you know you do a draft this is your team you're playing you they know did. your team's playing this team this week that's an actual another player controlled team that's you know they had that, but they went away from it. Um, really, there's two reasons why. The first reason is when the next-gen systems come out, the first release of those games just happened to be watered down, which because when there's, a new, when there's a new system that gets released, what that typically leads to is, hey, now we can have better graphics, better phys- physics, we can build this game on a new engine. And that scenario, I understand. You're not going to be able to grab all the content that you built up you know, building over the years and just snap your fingers and and be able to release that with an entire new engine on an entire new system. But what they've done is, especially with like like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, all the Madden iterations for those two systems, they just never really built upon the first game that was released for those systems, which now has been five or six years. It's almost the same exact game with, you know, some improved graphics. The only thing that's different is the ultimate team. It's the only thing they focus on because as you mentioned, it's like 60 to 70% of their revenue. Now I haven't played sports games since Blitz on 64. What is ultimate (laughs) team? So ultimate team is a mode where um, you play online and 
basically you pick a team. So you pick like the Eagles or you know Cowboys, whoever your favorite team is, and they give you starter packs. So it's just no different than like going to the store and buying a pack of football cards. When those packs open, wow. you get players and those players become part of your team and um, you play other people online to earn points. And as you grind, you take those points to purchase more packs to unlock better players. But there are a few problems. The first problem is they make it very difficult to compete and actually be good unless you're going to dedicate a ton of time. So this kind of goes back to what Michael was talking about, where you, you know, if you don't, if you're an individual that has a kid or maybe you work two jobs, the chances of you ever being really successful in Ultimate Team are going to be slim to none because you're just not going to have enough time to grind unless you want to come out of pocket. And then you can buy those packs with cash. Wow. Um, the two problems too is like we talked about earlier when you're buying a pack of cards like you don't nothing's guaranteed you don't know what you're going to get so you could buy a pack of cards and not improve your team at all the second thing is a lot of the packs just contain filler which you see in other games too where you might get a good player but you're also going to get a bunch of random nonsense so one of the things that ea does is you get these players out of these packs of cards but each player has like a contract. So it's like, oh, you can use this card for nine games. Then their contract expires. And then you have to use a consumable card to basically re-sign that player. So when you buy a pack, you might get a couple players. You're going to get a bunch of consumable products, as uh, consumable cards as well, which is contract extensions. Or for one game, this player's speed gets boosted by a couple points or whatever it may be so it's kind of one big scam and now what they're doing is and i think this is the biggest crime like when ultimate team first came out because i used to play it for nhl and fifa the way it was modeled was like the best players in the world were very difficult and rare cards to get so for example if you played fifa if you got like a messi or a ronaldo you know the chances of you pulling one of those guys in a pack would be slim to none but if you pulled them they obviously dominated and they were worth a lot of money um, for a limited now, time. Right. Yeah. Well now what they're doing is they're making like all players available. So you could play a game of FIFA ultimate team and in your first starter pack, you could pull a Ronaldo, but they're watering down his attributes and statistics. And that, and what they're making you do is grind more or pay more money. Get that to like boost up Ronaldo. these players. Right. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> See, training card the game exactly. no matter what your skill is in this game you could be the best player ever but starting out you're gonna have such right. a crappy pack of players yes. and you might get a good player for a limited amount of time until the exactly. card like evaporates that's um uh, you weren't getting ea that's like the worst example of uh, loot box gaming gambling uh pay to win i've ever heard of i'm so glad i didn't get into that wow it's it's a shame because it's it it is really fun and I think one of the problems is too and and why it isn't going to go away. Not only are they making a lot of money, but the consumers kind of get addicted to it. You get addicted to building your team and showing off like, hey, these are my players, and playing other people and beating up on them because they don't have players as good as you do. And those guys might be better than you, but at the end of the day, you're still going to win just because you can feel the team of all stars and they have a bunch of nobodies. EA sure has that's... done four uh, separate psychological studies 
all dealing with a certain uh, mechanism of their microtransaction model. So the way the pack of cards is presented to you, the sound the pack of cards makes when it's unlocked, the the to the colors that it's displaying are all meant to mimic what casinos are are researching and have implemented that type of you know you you just it's it's an, they create an addiction right the yep. bright colors the the sound effects everything makes you feel happy i mean um a, there's a lot of engineering that goes into the sounds of just tones that happen when you do that it's um they are spending a lot of money on that and it's, that should tell you right there, like, this isn't going away. Um, and just to um, kind of get back to what you were saying there, Michael, earlier when you were talking about watching streams and stuff like that, if you go on YouTube or you go on Twitch, there are videos that get millions and millions of views of some streamer that decides to dump $1,000 into opening up a bunch of packs. And people that aren't you know you're watching someone else open up packs and you're getting excited because of the things you mentioned like if you're about to get a really good card the pack opens it makes like a different sound you get like confetti or some something to signify that you're about to get something good and then there's like a delay so it's just like amping you up you're right it's yeah tension correct and that's what i've uh they're even twitch now is getting to the point where it was a wonderful platform uh in the early stages trying to provide people a way to stream content they're now obviously uh, getting very greedy uh being owned by amazon i think when they when that happened two or three years ago that that really kind of put the nail in the coffin for twitch uh, i think for me at least numbered its days uh have you heard what they're doing with valorant the riot fps no so it's in closed beta cool right a lot of games go through that period. It's due out in summer 2020. They gave probably 100 of the top streamers on Twitch keys to the game and said, go have fun. And what we're basically going to do is we're going to, through this Twitch feature called Drops, is if I'm watching a streamer play Valorant, um, I have a chance that every so often, randomly, the developer Riot is going to take everybody watching one of these enabled streamers uh, and pull a name and give that person a key to the game. So they're basically just saying to get a key to this game to play closed beta, you need to watch Twitch streamers stream this game. So for the last four days, I've been watching Summit pull. 20 plus hour days streaming because he's gotten 390 plus to 500,000 viewers consistently. Everybody just trying to get a key to this game. That is wild. Like just watch us play this game. That's not out yet for the chance to play. It. Oh, and it works like dear God, they're they're get, If I could buy this game right now, there would be I, I, 150 bucks, $200. Sure. I'd pay that as for as much time as I've just sit and trying to watch and and get a key to this game as much hype as they've built around it and as much you know like exclusivity you feel like because these random people are getting keys and now they're you know able to play the game just alongside the streamers and they're getting you know match made and in the matchmaking you know group with these uh, huge uh fps uh esport type you know streamers summit josh og um Doctor disrespect. 
Doctor, yeah, Doctor Disrespect, Doctor Lupo. I won't lie, the game the game looks fun. It's a kind of a mix between Overwatch and Counter Strike, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it's a Rainbow Six esque, Overwatch esque mixed with your Counter Strike. So it's a hero based stri- strategical shooter. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I mean, it it looks fun, and and there's so much hype for it. They could literally put whatever number they want to it for people to buy it right now and cash in. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not they're. I mean, I I I've got basically I've got another computer running right now, and it has since Friday when they started this thing. That is literally just skipping to active streamers. Wow. To try to get a key. One day, maybe. Right. Just keeping the hype up. I mean, um. They, the marketing is getting crazy for how how they're stream you know hyping this stuff up, trying to get people to get it, um, not spending money on advertising, only spending money on streamers. It's 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 building a weird industry, isn't it? It, it may have been out of necessity. Releasing a game right now is really challenging. Doom and Animal Crossing were kind of the first uh, two game big games this year that were able to kind of stay ahead of the coronavirus. Uh, we're able to release on somewhat normal mediums, um, physical and digital. Final Fantasy VII was a mess. Uh, you could play this game last week all the way through. Um, some people don't get their physical copy shipped for another month, just depending on where you are in the world right now. Um, and they've done a, they shipped a lot of copies like a month early, and some people got their games well before the release date of April 10th. Just because everything going on right now, it was impossible for them to try to time a single day national or global release for a game. And maybe that's, that's why they're driving people to streamers is, you know, we all got to sit home some way. So they're making 500,000 people sit in front of their computers as long as they can. Wow. So maybe there's a good positive spin you can put on this. But that'll take, uh, I think, uh, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here and let's jump to Josh. Give me your favorite video game and why. All time? All time. Uh, favorite video game all time would be Diablo 2. Um, the reason why I say Diablo 2 is, one, uh, I just really like the dark themes. Uh, I think it was also a great RPG at the time. Uh, I think it was ahead of its time. And um, I, I feel like it was a great product. Um, the golden multiplayer age of, was amazing. Golden Age of Blizzard, right? Yeah, golden age, golden age of Blizzard. But then beyond that, what I really liked about Diablo 2, and this is similar to World of Warcraft as well, um, is just like the in-game economy where you could, you know, technically be wealthy as a gamer, depending on the different items and stuff that you had. Um, I just, yeah, it was so addicting. Love Diablo 2. Casey. Favorite video game and why? Oof, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I have a couple caveats. Like, I mean, multiplayer, single player, but one I always can come back to, I feel like, is uh, like Skyrim, you know? Um, if people aren't playing online right now, I got some time to kill. I just, there's something about that world where you can just, you can always come back and find something. Um, I've, I've countless hours uh i mean I, I don't even think i've still completed all the quests in that game and um i don't know it's a toss-up between that and legend of zelda because no matter how many times i beat it i i'm still finding ways to get through quicker or um just that world is so inviting and fun but 
I, either of those. I've, I've played a lot of single player games, and um, I would say, yeah, I mean, you know, Skyrim is a classic. I mean, that game I, don't, I think speaks volumes to uh, tons of people out there have had experiences with Skyrim. It was on every. I mean, you can play Skyrim on a smart fridge now. It's on everything. They've literally ported it to every device available. This is true. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I own four copies. <laughs> you know, PS3, PS4, PC, uh, Switch. You know, and um, between, I mean, like I said, there's just so much to do. But uh, yeah, it's just it's never ending. You know, especially with the mods. Um, any game like that that can you can keep playing, keep having different experiences and find stuff, you know, um, just, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, as, as you guys were talking, I'm trying to think I had the favorite game picked, um, the, and I'm going to, shit, I'm going to pivot here (laughs) and say, what's your favorite game of the, of the last couple of years? What's your most recent favorite game? We'll narrow down for you. Favorite. Because there's, a, we all know that like everybody that's a gamer that has listened and knows the classics, you know, um, some the, things are just timeless. Uh, recent favorite probably had to been the most recent. The the Breath of the Wild, the Zelda was a uh, that and God of War were uh, mwah, just mwah, beautiful video games, uh, amazing to play. But I would have to say the all time favorite would be uh, EverQuest. Um, okay, yeah. Old school MMO predates WoW. Uh, came along uh, right after the um, uh, sec- was it Second Life released right around the same time. Um, very open, uh, very brutal MMO, and it was one of the first out there that you know, playing back on a computer with a dial-up modem. And being able to connect in, and then all of a sudden I'm with thousands of real players and being able to talk. And like what Josh was saying with Diablo 2, the economy, the in-game economy that develops around these games uh, and the currencies that are used, um, that's, it's addicting. There's a reason why that game had a nickname of Evercrack. It was um, the ways that these companies are getting away from that they're not coming back to, that the ways they used to hook you addicting gameplay uh, or addicting gameplay mechanics are now being kind of full circle uh, being used for microtransactions when as before they were just used to get your money to buy the game right less innovation in in gameplay to more pay to win type tactics So we're going to end this segment I hope you guys enjoy talking about video games or listen to us talk about video games and kind of where we think this industry is headed with microtransactions. Um, we're going to take a short break and be right back uh, and with a check-in with the Conspiracy Corner. Uh, with Let's Josh. go. All right, guys. Time to pull out the uh, tinfoil hats again. Last week, we talked about um, what could have potentially started COVID-19 and that whole wacky 5G conspiracy. Uh, this week, I plan on talking about what's going on now that COVID-19 is here. Well, it's been here. Um, and and basically, what you have to understand is, and this does tie into a little bit of about what we discussed uh, last week, is that there's a proxy war going on between 
the big pharmaceutical companies, not only in this country, but globally, and our current administration. Um, and when I say big pharmaceutical companies, which people often refer to as big pharma, it's more than just the pharmaceutical companies that comprise that industry. Bigger um, than Pfizer. <laughs> well, you have all these different foundations, right? And, and honestly, all a foundation is is a, is a way for these very wealthy individuals to throw their money into to really evade taxes. So you have Bill Gates Foundation, you have the Clinton Foundation. Um, you see Mark Zuckerberg has started his own foundation, dumped a bunch of money into it. And, you know, they're all claiming that this money is going towards research. And specifically right now, the, the hot topic is is researching um, a vaccine that can cure uh, COVID-19. Um, but what, what what's occurring is, and I think just to circle back, um, what's important to kind of take a look at is uh, when this coronavirus outbreak occurred, the media was in my opinion, blowing it out of proportion. Not to say that um, it hasn't obviously killed people and doesn't impact, uh, you know, I don't want to water down the severity of it, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it's a virus. And coronavirus, the flu is actually, the flu itself, influenza, is actually a form of a coronavirus. So, um, right, coronavirus that's why isn't they're anything similar. new. We've, right, exactly. It's It's know. been around for a while. So, you know, the original projections was, uh, at least here in the United States, we're going to have somewhere around 2 million um, people that die. And then those numbers have kind of changed. And then it went down to uh, somewhere around like 600,000. And now they think it's going to be, it's going to end up somewhere around 100,000. Um, but, you know, and this is just, uh, I think most, even people that don't buy into conspiracy theories would agree with me that, um, sometimes bad news is the best news, at least for these big news networks. If you watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox, um, it doesn't matter if it's weather. Hey, there's going to be a hurricane. It's going to be a Category 5. You guys need to run out, buy a bunch of supplies. Bad news gets views. <laughs> exactly. Bad news gets views. So you have to use the same logic or... If you think about it that way, it makes sense as to why... Um, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing blow, blew up. I mean, in, on one hand, it is just the intelligent thing to do to uh, prepare for the worst. But on the other hand, they're hammering this into you so that you expect the worst and that you think that it's probably worse than it is. And the reason why they do that is um, for it's just for money. If you just follow the money, it makes sense. The news networks are making big money on this. And then beyond that, they want the people to be dependent on them for a solution. Um, and the solution that they're working on right now is a vaccination, right? So we've had Bill Gates talk about it. Um, some of these other big pharmaceutical companies right now are, are just spending all of this money on researching a vaccine. Um, with that being said, Trump's taken some heat, uh, not to get too political about this, but our president, Trump, has taken some heat because he kind of went public and he talked about how there may be a uh, cure already out there, right? Which was the whole 
hydrochloroquine. Um, and the reason why that was brought up is actually twofold. The first is because in some of the other countries, such as like South Korea and France, the doctors there were already prescribing that medication and it was yielding pretty positive results. Uh, the hydrochloroquine, reason, sorry. Uh, yeah, what were you going to say, Casey? The hydrochloroquine, that's the, the malaria drug, right? It's Correct. It's been its been out for a long time and, and was uh, FDA approved for malaria, but they haven't approved it for COVID-19 as far as I understand, right? Of course. Yes. It's been around, I think, since the late 50s or early 60s. Don't quote me on that. You have to Google it, but right around that uh, period of time. Okay. Um, but as I was mentioning, so there have been doctors, not to say that they've gone rogue, but you know, if you're a doctor in New York City and you have 500 patients show up and they're all dying of coronavirus, at some point you're going to begin, I don't want to use the term experimenting, but you're going to begin relying on some practices that may have worked in other areas around the world or that just based on they your have studies a duty to their work. patient and they have a duty right. to their obviously their profession and it's a a, a, a battle what do they do do they do they try to save the patient or do they uphold their teaching and you know medical practice and says you can't use this drug it's not tested well do you know exactly. harm but there's also going to be some doctor houses out there trying something you know for these people yeah right you're right and i watched uh i watched an interview with a doctor in new york city where he explained why he decided to use that drug hydrochloroquine um and then he used it in conjunction with the z-pack which is arrhythmos arismomycin or something like that i don't even know how to pronounce it and zinc which is a basic zinc supplement uh not to get into too much of the specific the too specific about how it works because again i'm not a doctor you can definitely the z-pack is what they use to uh, the, combat the way it the works is common cold or flu right so correct yeah z-pack is often used it's an antibiotic and it's often used to cure a common cold or a flu um but but basically what the hydrochloroquine does is it um it allows your cells to uh open up and accept more zinc. So apparently when you take certain supplements like zinc, vitamin A, vitamin C, you really only absorb a very small percentage of that. So the hydrochloroquine, and again, I'm not a doctor, but just trying to give a really basic outline of how it works is it basically prevents, it, it throws a monkey wrench into the system. It prevents the virus from replicating. It can't replicate because the cells open up your cells can bring in more zinc and and basically battle the virus. Um, now, the reason why I'm getting into all of this is because there's a clear conflict right now between what Big Pharma wants to do as far as providing a solution for the COVID-19 versus what some medical experts and even the president of our country think could potentially be a cure. And one of the big reasons why is because this anti-malaria drug, hydrochloroquine, has been out since the 50s or 60s, it's not very profitable. In fact, it's a very, it's a super cheap drug. Um, There's no monies in cures. There's money in treatment. <laughs> that is also true. And there's no... Um, and, and this may not be true right now because now that people are kind of waking up and they understand that this could be a potential treatment, I think there is a demand for this drug. 
but at the time it was readily available. It's something that's being used all around the world as well. Um, so it's not something that the pharmaceutical companies have to research or, 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 or um, you know, as you mentioned, they're just not going to make money off of it. I think um, the doctor that I saw the interview on, which by the way, if you guys are interested, his name's Dr. Shiva. You can look him up. He's got a, uh, PhD in biology from MIT and he actually has multiple PhDs one in biology and one in one in engineering but anyway um I digress to get back to my point um the there there's there's just no money to to make off of it so that's if you're a conspiracy theorist <laughs> such as myself um you can begin to kind of draw the connections here that um we have a problem that we're relying on the government to solve and a potential solution might not be very profitable. And this is a time right now with our economy in the gutter, um, not just our economy, but the European economy as well. And again, I kind of mentioned that this was a global effort. They are basically chomping at the bit to profit off of us because we are dependent on them to solve this crisis where everyone's dying from this COVID-19. So uh, based on all that information, I'll turn to you first, Michael. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think this is as, uh, as tinfoily as last week. I think you are honestly right in line with uh, what is happening right now. This isn't a conspiracy. This is exactly what um, is going on behind closed doors of the big companies. What's their incentive to find a cure or to solve this? There, there isn't, um, financially at least. Uh, yes, the, the company that does come out with this is going to have a lot of notoriety. But like I said, if it's a, an existing drug like you were talking about, the, the way that these pharmaceutical companies make money is by coming out with a new drug. They can patent it, and no other company can make that drug for X amount of time. Then the generic gets released. You hear about that all the time. Uh, Viagra just recently um, got it was able to have the generics made for that medication. Uh, Pfizer is no longer the only one able to produce it. So now that medicine is wildly cheaper. Um, and that drives the cost down. So I, I think you're right. They're going to look for a um, a magic cure-all or a magic drug that is a treatment that they can't patent, that they can make money off of, versus it, there's a guy who wants to be released from jail right now um, that's putting a plea together. He is the one who just got arrested for like fraud or insider trading or something, but he was a head pharmaceutical guy, and he's saying that we need to be looking at the past. We need to be running synthesis on old drugs to find its effectiveness because there there's this isn't new the the coronavirus isn't a new virus uh it's been around um it's a type of virus that we can actively combat right the coronavirus is a, just a newer strain of this um now like you said like a, a with antibiotics and uh, antivirals the amount of times that those have to be redesigned and changed per year is is way more than you would really think. Like the same penicillin that you get when you were sick is nothing like the original penicillin that came out. It's all been modified and changed. Um, going back into the past to find 
uh, something that you know used to work, stopped working, and might work again because of all the mutations that have happened. It's very possible. Uh, but like you were saying, with the the media panicking all this up, uh, a little more, you know, than they probably need to be. But I mean, like you said, you don't want to downplay like it. It, it is deadly; it can kill people. But we still haven't even hit flu levels of uh, deaths or infections. You know, the flu kills a lot more people than the corona has. It's just that we don't know well, the, the to not extent. downplay the severity of corona. We are right now. Corona is a SARS type virus. It is. Uh, we have more deaths right now with the coronavirus than we have with SARS and MERS over the last seventeen years. Mm-hmm. True. Now, um, along with that panic, uh, or you know, well, not even the panic, but um, the the awareness that the media is providing out there, if a cure or uh, a vaccine to prevent it or something like that turns out to be something that we already have and can make for very cheap, it would almost be like kind of like a big bust for a lot of these people. You know, the the foundations like it's like they're putting all this money into um and uh, into the foundations. And the media is hyping it up. And then all of a sudden, oh, we can just fix this with something. Easy. It's almost like if that were to happen, just put my tinfoil back hat on. Go get this drug. Um, all CVSs and Walgreens and insert drug store name here already carry it and have great supply. Go get it. Right. Now let's hear the first person, doctor, whoever, to come out with that information suddenly suicides themselves, you know, to keep the, that under wraps. You know, uh, if it is that easy. You know, Josh would be the one to find it and let all of us know. <laughs> I hope well, so. Okay. I hope that's so. The, so. That's the second part of the conspiracy is, you know, because you had the Chinese whistleblower who did end up kind of mysteriously dying um, from COVID. And, you know, not to get super off topic, but people think that the reason that was the case was because he knew that, you know, China already had a way to kind of control and contain this. So that's a whole nother separate uh, conspiracy that I'm not going to get too involved in. But just to back up your point, Casey, one could argue that that's already happened. Because if you look statistically, and again, it's very difficult to interpret because we can't trust the validity of the, the data that we're receiving from China. But the data that we're receiving from China is, makes it seem that they have it under control. Their economy is doing well right now. Apparently, there's whole major cities where, you know, everyone's working. Restrictions. Yeah, exactly. There's also been a lot of fires in China recently. <laughs> you know, uh, fire fire kills all and controls viruses very well. So, but um, you know, still got my tinfoil hat on over here. You you can't trust much of the information coming out of there. It's just it's one of those things, you know. Um, the amount of time they kept it under wraps from the get-go, um, it's hard to say, you know, like they, there very well could be some sort of method that they had that just, if it got out, it, no one would make money. Like you said, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, that's where outside of this podcast, if you want to go online and do some research, but there's tons of theories as to why um, they're waiting to, to find a vaccine. Um, and and what vaccinating people uh, could potentially lead to, um, and I, and I don't mean you know I'm not talking about the oh vaccines cause autism thing. I know that's like a huge conspiracy, but just what vaccinate what vaccinations or to put it would be if we vaccinated an entire population, what the potential impact of that um, could be. One obviously would be 
a huge financial gain for the pharmaceutical company providing that vaccine. But then beyond that, it's just another way for the government to have um, a little bit more control in our life because now we're all dependent on that vaccination. They can put laws in place that say we can't do this or can't do that because we haven't been vaccinated. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe that's what the outcome of this would be. Um, so I challenge um, everybody, Casey, Josh, and our listeners to go watch I Am Legend. <laughs> Not the whole movie. Watch the first 10 minutes. Right. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. The intro to that movie, the setup of there being an interview with a head of a big pharma company saying, yes, we've found this cure of cancer. Uh, it, it We derived it from the measles vaccine. And yes, it uh, we've done it. And they mass distribute it. And guess what? A untested, un, you know, something that could very much happen with today's circumstances, a, a, uh, what am I going to call this? A, uh, a, a single medication breaks through the wall or shines, you know, has the, the God light shine down on it. If this is our savior, we mass distribute it without testing it or the proper trials. And we end up with, you know, the movie takes it into a much, much more dramatic fashion of zombies and uh, an epidemic outbreak that because this medication was untested, all this bad stuff happens. But what if a year from now we all get cancer because we all rushed and took this vaccine to cure coronavirus and now a third or two thirds of the population is wiped out within five years. That kind sure. of scenario is what scares me. Yeah. Also the, uh, like you said, like what if there's not only are they, maybe they have a cure, but because they don't have a test for who's taken the vaccine yet, it's not released, you know, like, um, except with the states and, and, and uh, cities kind of, uh, cracking down on quarantine and, um, you know, like, hey, you're out and about, like, let's put roadblocks up and we're going to scan you. If you haven't had the vaccine, you know, go over here and we're putting you in this spot. Um, yeah. You know, if they if they were able to, to, it's just, it's letting more, I mean, like you said, not to get more political, but it's letting more government of control into our lives. Um, mm-hmm. The media is behind, helping out. Um, it's, it's, I mean, that frightens me a little bit more than worrying about touching something at target, you know, like, um, <laughs> I mean, obviously if people cough and stay away, you know, just like anything else, nobody wants to get sick, but, um, yeah, it just brings up questions, you know, like, is there a cure? Is there a test for the cure? Is there well, what you just mentioned ties into my like really final point here is that the, the deception the deception that that is taking place right now is that hey you know we need to continue to abide by these social distance social distancing laws and rules and eventually we'll all sit around we'll wait until they come out with a vaccine or some sort of cure for this uh when really your best defense is just your best defense for the flu or any of these other common viral sicknesses that you could get which is eating healthy exercising regularly um, you know, making hands. sure you have a strong immune system and you, the media is not the media is not giving that information out at all and if you see a lot of the people that are dying from this virus they're either very old or they're people that have damaged immune systems they have damaged immune systems either because they have of some genetic predisposition which in that scenario you know that's very unfortunate that sucks or because of their lifestyle and the choices they made. They were heavy smokers. They were obese, heart disease, whatever it may be. So if anyone's listening to this, 
the thing that you should do right now that's probably even more important than social distancing is just make sure you're healthy because even if you contract this virus you'll more than likely be good to go as long as your immune system isn't compromised so while we're all staying home forced to stay home develop some healthy habits now's the time to do it we all got time now there's no excuses why we can't yeah. all learn healthy habits and play video games <laughs> hey you gotta keep your do dexterity up Walk around, on the treadmill. Yeah. play it standing, stay home. And I think what we all need to uh, take away from Josh's conspiracy corner is Big Pharma is not going to save us until they can figure out how to monetize their treatment plan. Correct. Very much like video game developers monetize their games to make money off us. How's that for a segue? There you go, man. <laughs> I like it. Tie it all together. I do want to thank everyone this week. Uh, we are going to wrap up this episode to try to keep everything around an hour long once it's all said and done and edited. And if you can hear anything in the background, my little kid needs some attention and is ready to play. Um, let's get a definitive answer on microtransactions in gaming. I, I think we can all agree that we know they're here to stay, but are we for them or against them? I feel like we're not going to get rid of them. I'm going to say I'm okay with microtransactions if you want to have a better skin. But don't make me pay to have more quality gameplay. And don't make me pay to be able to raise my skill ceiling. If, so if I'm good, good at the game, cosmetics. I'm good with cosmetics. I, as long as the gameplay is solid and I can access it and, and you know, it, victory or uh, being competitive is based on my skill, then I'm okay with the, just the cosmetics. But... Josh, if you can hear us now, again, we're recording this uh, remotely, so there are some technical difficulties here we're working through. Uh, definitive answer on microtransactions in gaming. Yeah, I'm sorry. The audio cut out for me for a second there. Um, microtransactions I'm against. I'm okay with the cosmetic stuff. It is what it is. If you want to pay to look good, um, you know what I mean? I can't, I can't hate on that. I just, It's a shame to me because I think you can look good without creating some sort of mechanic that requires you to pay. Uh, so I'm 90% against microtransactions, loot boxes, battle passes. But, um, you know, if that's the way we're going, just keep it cosmetic. Got it. And I'm going to go ahead and like I did in the first episode and take the loss. I'm going to take the big L here and call myself the biggest gamer and loser, just based on today's topic of who of microtransactions and who possibly might have spent the most. You've got two <laughs> people uh, very much against for the most part, are okay with them being there, but are personally not going to use them. And me, who is all for them, if I can look cooler or skip some gameplay and still get to, you know, kind of get the full experience of a game uh, and go back and listen to our first episode. And I will, uh, you'll hear me talk about my experience with Overwatch and how much I've dumped in that game. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everyone again for joining us for episode two of Generation Web. Please check us out. We've got a YouTube channel uh, at GenWebPod on Twitter, uh, anchor.fm slash GenerationWeb. Uh, and again, shout out to our sponsor, Anchor. You can uh, download their app or go to anchor.fm to get started creating your own podcast. It's how we actually produce this podcast, and it is amazing. It, being able to single deploy and publish our podcast. We're now on everyone out there. We're on iTunes, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on Shoutbox, we're on CastBox, we're on Radio Republic, uh, all the places you can get your podcasts. You can find us, uh, and that's all made possible by Anchor. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. See you. Bye-bye.